Thanks for listening to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. To hear more sermons and to find out more about our church, please visit SugarHillChurch.com. Amen. Thank you. You can have a seat. We're in week two of a series we've entitled Likewise. What happened is Jesus was asked by a prominent attorney of the law. He was asked the question, who is my neighbor? And he began by telling them, thank you, Mark. He began by telling the story and answering the question by using the story of the the good Samaritan. And so we know the story and we talked about it Uh, last week. We know that a fellow was beaten, robbed, and left for dead. And there he is, beaten, bloodied, bruised, and two very religious people walk by him and don't do anything. And then finally, a guy who probably shouldn't have stopped does stop, and he helps him. He helps bandage his wounds, and he puts him on his donkey, and he takes him to an inn, and he cares for his medical needs. He prepays for whatever is necessary. And then Jesus looks at the attorney and says, now, which one of them was your neighbor? And, 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 and the attorney says, well, it, it was the one who showed mercy. And then Jesus makes this statement. You ready? He says, go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. And then we find the apostle Paul who penned the majority of the New Testament. He made this statement. He said, be imitators of me as I am imitators of Christ. And last week we talked a lot about let's don't become imitators of anybody but Jesus. And so we've got this series that we're working through about spiritual disciplines on what it is to have this return on our spiritual investment that we might move from being successful to having this great and wonderful picture of significance spiritually that God might look at us and say, that's my boy, that's my girl, I way to go. And how great is that to be able to have that? And so that's what we're going to work through today as we're talking about what it is to be a part of his church, what it is to be a member of his church. We're honored today to have a couple of guests over here to my left somewhere is Stuart Griffin. Stuart, where are you at? I don't see, I don't have my glasses on. Yeah, Stuart, stand up. Let everybody see your pretty face. There's Stuart. Well, well, at least I got to see you. And um, Stuart is the chief operating officer at Street Grace, and I am super excited about working with him and launching an initiative called FACE. And FACE is Fathers Against Child Exploitation. And men, our men's ministry, will be significantly involved in that in making sure that we're part of stopping uh, not, not, not just being able to, to say we're, we're trading people. We want to stop and end in Atlanta the exploitation of children, specifically sexually, and put an end to it. But we can only do that. We can only do that when men of God stand up and decide to be men of God. And so uh, we're going to be partnering with them. I'm super excited about that. As you know, um, we've got some church members who are involved in Street Grace. We're excited about it. Stuart, thanks for being with us, being a part of our service today. And then we have Dr. Hugh Townsend and his wife that are here with us. Stand up, Hugh. Let everybody say hello to you. This is Dr. Hugh Townsend. Hugh is the uh, director of missions of our local uh, association of Southern Baptist churches. Some of you are saying, I didn't even know we were Southern Baptists. Well, we are. And um, Hugh, is, uh, Hugh and I worked together at uh, the North American Mission Board 100 years ago, and somehow we're still kicking, buddy. So thanks for coming to church and being with us. We're, we're, we're grateful for all you do. Um, you have made a big difference in our community around Gwinnett. Thank you for your work. So as we continue this series entitled The Church, I, I think what happens is we have this miss on what it is to be a church member. 
I mean, we have this mistaken belief that church is something you go and you do on Sunday. Like when, when somebody says, what are you doing Sunday morning? What do you say? I'm going to church. Yeah. And so if we're not careful, church is something that starts and ends with prayer and that's church. And, and, and so what happens is the truth is you don't go to church. You are the church. I mean, it's, it's, you, you get this picture that the church isn't a place. The church is people, me and you. This is what Jesus said. Jesus said in Matthew chapter five, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. You are a city set on a hill. That's what he said about us. Jesus said, that's, that's us. We are the church. It's up to us, you and me to be the mouth, the hands, the feet of Jesus, to be the church. Being the church means being like Jesus, being a part of God's family and giving of ourselves and our means. And that's what we're to be imitators of. Now, let me kind of set the premise for this. So watch real close. Watch this. Here we are in our sin, lost and hopeless and no help and no hope to have a relationship with God. Yet God says, I created you in my image and I love you and I long to have a relationship with you. So he sends his only son, Jesus, to die for us. His blood is shed for us. And through that, we can seek and find forgiveness of our sin. And by doing so, watch this, is so unbelievable. We then become a part of God's family and hence we get to be a part of his church because you see, Jesus is the head of this church, not the pastor, not the Pope, Jesus. And we get to be a part of his family and his church. What an unbelievable honor. I mean, you are the church. Just let that truth sink in. You are a part of God's family. When you put your faith in Jesus, God becomes your father. You become his child. Other believers become your family and the church becomes your home. Now that's, that is just too good to believe. And you say, well, wait a minute, Chuck, the church has hurt me. The church has wounded me. The church has made fun of me. The church, I'm broken because the church, somebody hurt my feelings at church. You hurt my feelings at church. I mean, Chuck, I don't, how, how does that fit? Has it ever occurred to you that every family is dysfunctional? I mean, if you had cameras in our house, I mean, seriously, you'd fire me by Tuesday. <laughs> I mean, seriously, because we are the freakiest family on the planet. Nothing goes the way it's supposed to. I mean, if you think the pastor's home is just one of those places where bliss occurs all today. <laughs> I mean, we're like you. I mean, lives can be a little funky, can it? I mean, seriously? But watch this. How cool is this? God, the head of our family, gives us Jesus to be the head of our church. Now watch. The only hope we have of not being dysfunctional is letting the head be the head and us imitating the head. You see, the church gets it wrong when we think the pastor's in charge of the church. The pastor's not in charge of the church. Jesus is. Deacons aren't in charge of the church. Jesus is. By the way, you're not in charge of the church. Jesus is. You see, it, it's like Hector said a minute ago, it doesn't matter whether we believe that or not, it just is. Because if you believe the Bible to be so, then that's what he says. And so the church then is all about him. It's about his family. In Matthew chapter 12, here's what Jesus said. He said, pointing with his hand at the disciples, 
Now, for those of us who didn't grow up in church, you say, what's the big deal about disciples? Jesus handpicked these disciples. He chose them to come be his followers, to come do what he did, to grow with them and to teach them and to, to, to pour his life into them that they might imitate him, that they might go and do likewise. So he's talking with them and he points and, and, with, and with his hand at his disciples and he says, look, here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does what my father in heaven wants is my brother and sister and mother. Okay, now if you didn't grow up in church, if you're one of those people that has been to a church or heard a church where everybody refers to somebody as brother and sister, admit it, weren't, wasn't that a little creepy to you? Hey, brother. How many know you, dude? Brother, what? You know, we're, it, tonight we're going to have a Bible study and Sister Beth is reading, what? I mean, that's just, we don't talk that way anywhere else, do we? I mean, it's not like you go to work and say, you know, hey, brother boss. I mean, we don't do that, do we? But you see, the, the, the point behind it, when you hear it, what happens is people, this is where they get it from. They're not wrong. They're not incorrect. They're actually on point. Because as followers of Jesus, as Christians, what happens is God adopts us into his family. And Jesus says, look, you're now part of my family. And so that'd be a natural thing for people to say. It's, they're not wrong when they say it. All right. It just freaks us out because we don't say it through the rest of our world. You see, I think the church kind of looks like this. Whenever you feel unimportant, whenever you feel unloved, whenever you feel insecure, remember to whom you belong. I mean, that's what family is, isn't it? A place to belong. You know what this church is? This church is a place to belong. This church ought to be a haven where from the world and from everything you deal with, you ought to be able to walk in here, take a deep breath, sit back in your chair and say, Oh, it's good to be home. Oh, it's, it's good to hear about the things of God. Oh, it's good to see the things of God. I mean, we, we baptized a couple more people at 930. I mean, we've been baptizing people every Sunday since Memorial Day. I mean, and just people getting excited about watching folks come to know Jesus. About hearing people talk openly about the things of God. That's what happens when you're part of his church. That's what God's family is all about laughing together and crying together and dreaming together. In fact, the Bible says this, listen, that Christians are put together, joined together, built together, members together, heirs together, fitted together, held together, and caught up, caught up together. That's a lot of together. Now just do me a favor, look around at the people around you. Do you really want to do that much together with them? I mean, everywhere you look, we've got weird people here. I mean, seriously, they're everywhere. I get to see you. And I know what you're saying. And Chuck, you're the head weirdo. That's a lot of together, but what do we do together? Well, according to John 13, 34, we love one another. Romans 12, 10, we be devoted to one another. Romans 12, 10, we honor one another. Romans 14, 13, we don't judge one another. Romans 15, 7, we accept one another. Romans 15, 14, we teach one another. Galatians 5, 13, we serve one another. Ephesians 4, 32, we be kind to one another. Hebrews 10, 25, we encourage one another. 2 Peter 4, 9, we offer hospitality to one another. And in 1 John 3, 23, 4, 7, 4, 11, and so many more, we love one another. That's a lot of one another's, but that's how we're supposed to do life together in his church. You see, we imitate Christ by being a part of his church. You see, church isn't something that opens and closes with a prayer. Church isn't just something you attend. It's something you are. Church isn't a place. It's you. So what does it mean to be the church? What does it mean to be a member? 
All right. Take pen, pencil, lipstick, or mascara. And in your handout, I actually have for you fill in the blanks. Can you believe it? I mean, Chuck actually finished his sermon early enough to give you fill in the blanks. I mean, and, and he didn't change it on Saturday night. How great is that? Huh? So for those of you, those of you that all get geeked up about fill in the blanks, it's your Sunday. All right. Don't come here next Sunday and think I'm going to do it two weeks in a row, but you got fill in the blanks. All right. You ready? What does it mean to be a member? It means that I am an engaged church member. Membership means perks, right? I mean, membership means privileges, right? I mean, membership means others are going to serve me, right? I mean, just pay the going rate and you can have others take care of you while you enjoy a life of leisure, right? I mean, that understanding of membership is what a lot of folks believe. This is my church, so I get to have things my way, the way I want it. I mean, that's how a country club membership works, right? You pay your dues and somebody serves you. You fill out a comment card that says, I'd like those who serve me to wear black pants and a white shirt and a white bow tie. And I'd like for them to say yes, sir. And no, sir. And I, I, that's how I want it because I pay my dues. That's how I want things done. I mean, isn't that how that works? As a matter of fact, most things we join in America, we, we want something. You join Costco. What do you want? Savings, right? Yeah. You join a gym. What do you want? I want. Yeah, I, I get it. You know, you know what you want to do? You want to get, you want to get a new body. You want to get fixed up. Well, let me just tell you, that comes with a lot of hard work, right? You say, well, Chuck, I'm going to, I'm going to work till I get a six pack. Yeah. Well, some of you have to trade your keg in. <laughs> For those of you like me that grew up in a Baptist church, a keg is, no, I'm kidding. So <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> you see, if we're not careful, we're going to treat the church like we do everything else we join. I want it my way. I, this is how I want it. I, it, it about three weeks ago, me and Jen and, you know, all of our kids, we all go to eat. And we're leaving from the restaurant down the road. And um, I see a, church full of, a table full of church folk. And I walk over and say, hello, how y'all doing? Good to see you. And um, I'm, I'm about ready to leave. Say, hey, see y'all later. Take care. And uh, the sweet lady says, uh, you know what the topic of our row was today? And I'm thinking, this is going to be good, man. She's got like a page full of notes. She got Jesus. This is awesome. I, I love, preachers love this kind of stuff, right? You know, wow, you took notes. Can't wait to hear it. And she said, the, the topic of our row is your hair. <laughs> I mean, seriously, I, my first thought was, are you on crack? I mean, what? And then she looked at me. She was serious as a heart attack. She looked at me. She said, you got to promise us you're never going to comb your hair that way again. Okay, I can do that. And I thought, that's, that's what you got out of church today. Well, bless the Lord, oh, my soul. My favorite one, though, my favorite one is when folks send me a note about the music. I love this. How come you don't sing songs I don't know? And that's good, isn't it? Has it occurred to you that 90% of the people in this room didn't know that last song until they sang it. But you know why they sang it? Because it was good. Because it's, it's, it, it, it was a song about Jesus. It was a song about healing. It was a song about hope. By the way, it was, it was birthed and founded in Scripture. But, but I, didn't, I didn't sing it when I was 12. How could it be of Jesus? Well, because you came here and found what you were looking for. You found something to gripe about. You know what I've learned? When you come looking for something to gripe about, you're going to find it. 
Matter of fact, I just gave it to some of you. Right? I mean, the challenge is comments like that come from folks who have this unbiblical view of membership. The view of membership is more aligned with a country club. For them, membership's about receiving instead of giving, about being served instead of serving, about having rights instead of responsibilities, and about entitlements instead of sacrifices. You see, everything we know about organization and joining something, Jesus changed, and it's so counterintuitive to our humanity when it comes to church. Because when we come here and we join his church, biblical membership means we're all necessary parts of the whole. There's this number of places in the New Testament where we can see a clear picture of church membership. And one of the best of them is in 1 Corinthians verse, or chapters 12 through 14. In the Bible, Paul explains members differently than, than any place or any other culture or structure. For example, look at the term found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 beginning in verse 27. Here's what it says. Now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. And God has placed these in the church. Do you get the difference? Members of a church comprise the whole and we each are essential parts of it. Some are eyes, some are ears, some are feet while others are hands. And that's why it says in 1 Corinthians 12, 12, for as the body is one and has many parts and all the parts of that body through many are one body, so also is Christ. Imitate that. You see, membership means we're all a little different, but we all work together. We all think together. We all serve together. You see, with a country club membership, you pay for others to do the work for you. Biblical membership, everybody has a role, a function, and my part of our job to do. You say, well, I'm not sure that's what I want to be a part of. Okay? In love, let me share this with you. Then don't join. I mean, just come hang out and sing and, and do your thing. Don't join. I mean, see how simple it is? I mean, that's just, that's not hard, is it? And by the way, I don't say that sarcastically or even harshly. I just say the reason we have a membership class going on right now is so that people will know what they're getting into. We'll have folks who, who get mad and they left the church uh, with some of them with good reason, eight, 10, six, five years ago, you know, and then they've come back and, and they'll, they'll call Beth and say, can we just move our membership here? That'd be cool. And Beth will kind of nicely say, well, you know, we'd like for you to go through a new membership class together. And they said, well, I did, I did that 10 years ago. And, and, and Beth will say, yeah, but things are different now. We want you to know what we expect of you. Because you see, being a member here at Sugar Hill Church, this isn't a country club. This is a church of the living God. This is a church that believes the Bible from cover to maps. This, this, this is a church that believes that God could use us to change the world. This is a church that really does believe that lost people can be saved, that blind people can see. This is a church that really believes what this book says. So we don't take this lightly. So make sure you know what you're a part of. I mean, the Bible makes it clear that if one part doesn't do its job, the whole body doesn't function well. But if one part does its job well, the whole body rejoices and is stronger. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 16. So if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice in it. Now, let me just state the obvious. You know what that means? If you're hurting, the church ought to help you. And if you're rejoicing, the church ought to celebrate with you. And if the church doesn't do that, it's not acting like the church. Okay, but wait a minute, stop. Let me remind you, you're the church. You say, well, Chuck, there's no way I'm celebrating them. You know, you, you know what they did? 
And Jesus said, it didn't matter. Celebrate. He didn't put conditions on it. Imitate giving like Christ. A church membership is engaged membership. That's biblical membership. Do you know how many, uh, you know what it means to be able to remain a member of a country club? Pay your dues. You know what it means to remain a biblical member of this church? To give abundantly and serve without hesitation. So you'll see on the other side of your handout, you've got four promises there. And I'm going to ask you if you have a willingness to make this promise. This is going to be kind of like refrigerator art. Those of you that have little kids that bring home refrigerator art, you know what it is? You look at them and you think, oh, sweetie, that's so pretty. You have no idea what it is. Oh, honey, that's a beautiful bird. Mommy, it's a giraffe. Oh, yeah, it's a beautiful giraffe. And you, you put it on the magnet on the refrigerator and it's just so cute. Before long, you got 80 of them and you can't even get to the broccoli. And you're just thinking, what in the world? You know what? Sometimes I think the stuff we do is like bringing refrigerator art to God. He looks at it and he says, come on, really? Is that the best you got? So today I want you to be willing to make some promises. Promise number one says, because I'm a member of the body of Christ, I must be an engaged member. Whether I'm an eye, an ear, a hand, as an engaged member, I will give, I'll serve, I'll minister, and I'll share. And I'm going to sign this this day, September 15, 2013. And some of you are going to go ahead and sign it. You say, that's me, I'm all in. By the way, I'm not going to take a poll. I'm not going to collect them. This is just a reminder to you. Membership means I'm an engaged church member. Also, membership means I'm a unified member. God desires for his church to get along. John 13, 35 says, by this, all people will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. Okay, simple version. You know what it really says? Jesus says, folk out there will know if you really are followers of Jesus by how you love one another. So however you talk about one another out there is how people know whether you love Jesus or not. You say, well, Chuck, that's kind of an oversimplification, isn't it? Not according to this. That... That's how they're going to know us. Did you get that? The world outside these walls will know if we're followers of Jesus, Christians or not, by the way we act toward one another. Paul said a lot about unity when he wrote to the church in Ephesus, when he wrote the book of Ephesians. You look at some of his words that he wrote, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15. This is why, since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I have never stopped giving thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. Did you hear why Paul was thankful for those church members? He was thankful, number one, for their faith in Jesus, and number two, their love for the saints. You say, well, what's a saint? Somebody who's given their life to Christ and chosen to be a part of God's family. That's why he's rejoicing. You know what I've learned, though? I've learned really something amazing. You, You really can't have unity in the church if you have a church full of people that don't have a forgiving spirit. You, you, you cannot have unity in the church when you, when you have people who aren't willing to forgive. I took a poll in the 930 hour and it was, people were so blunt. I'm not sure I want to in this one, but I, I asked folks, I said, how many of you have I offended? And seven or eight hands went up. So let me just do it. How many of you in my two years being, how many of you have I offended? Let me see your hand. Come on, be honest. Come on, really? Come on, let's go. Good. We got a few. Okay. How many of you wanted to, but you were afraid I'd do something? All right. Here, let me just stop and say, I'm sorry. You know, that's not the goal. You know what I've realized that when people stop trying to prove they're right and they try to make things right in the name of Christ, inevitably, you know what happens? Things get right. You just got to have a forgiving spirit. Jesus said it pretty clearly in Matthew chapter six, verse 14. He said, for if you forgive people their wrongdoing, your heavenly father will forgive you as well. But if you don't forgive people, your father will not forgive your wrongdoing. Ouch. 
You say, well, Chuck, somebody at church hurt me. Chuck, you or one of the other pastors hurt me. Well, my feelings are hurt. You know what Jesus said? Well, forgive. This is a really interesting lesson. You know what I've learned? There is no such thing as a perfect church. You know how I know that? If there was one, we'd join it and mess it up. There's no perfect member. There's no perfect pastor. They don't exist. We're, We're just a bunch of messed up people. I mean, this church and every church is made up of imperfect people. We're all hypocrites. Church unity is torn apart when those of us who come together refuse to forgive. Imitate forgiving like Jesus. Your second promise. I'll seek to be a source of unity in my church. I know there's no perfect pastor, staff, or other church members, but neither am I. I will not be a source of gossip or dissension. I will seek to forgive as I serve others. Membership is an engaged church member. Membership means that I'm a unified church member. Membership means that the church is bigger than my preferences. I remember when our girls were little, you know what they learned early on? They, they learned me, mine, and I want it. And you know what they learned pretty quick was I'm first. I will never forget the first time Amelia pitched a fit in Walmart. I thought she was possessed. I had never seen a kid do what she did. I mean, foam out of her mouth. I mean, really, I thought she was going to sprout horns. But, you know, I see it sometimes here at church, too. I want it my way because this is how I like it done. You know, we're here to give. We're here to sacrifice. We're here to serve. One time, Jesus is talking with his 12 disciples. If you're not familiar with that, Jesus picked 12 guys, and he poured his life into them during his ministry, and he, he called them to serve and live and launch the church. And, and he had these 12 guys, and these, these guys get into an argument. Some of them do about who's the greatest. Can you imagine walking with the Son of God, and their argument becomes, hey, I'm, I'm number one, and you're not. Nana, nana, boo-boo. I mean, that's kind of what's going on. Right? And Jesus pulls them together. And here's what it says in Mark chapter 9, verse 35. Sitting down, he called the 12 and he said to them, If anyone wants to be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. Let's take a look at what it means to be servant. The word servant occurs 57 times in the New Testament. 57 times. Most, most often it refers to the role we assume as followers of Jesus. The word serve occurs 58 times in the New Testament. You know what I learned? Serving other people is a big deal to God. And serving other people is the model for his church and his family. I mean, after he became a Christian, the apostle Paul said in Ephesians chapter three, verse seven, I was made a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace that was given to me by the working of his power. We will never find joy in becoming a member of any church when we're constantly seeking things our way. Now, paradoxically, you look at that and say, we'll find the greatest joy when we choose to be last and servant of all. So you know what that means? I take the high road with people and I assume the lowest position and I allow God to fill the void with his richest blessing. And when I see that, I think that's, that's what it is to imitate the Lord of all by serving all. Your third promise is we imitate serving like Jesus says, I'll not let my church be about my preferences and my desires. I'm a member in this church to serve others and to serve Christ. So membership means I'm engaged. Membership means I'm unified. Membership means the church is bigger than me. And membership means that we're family. I mean, it's no surprise that we're taught in scripture that families are an analogy for the church. In Ephesians chapter five, beginning in verse 22, here's what it looks like. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. His body and is himself its savior. 
Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. Paul then goes on and says in verses 32 and 33, this mystery is profound. And I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Remember, Jesus is the groom. We are the bride. He is the head of the family. It's his way, not our way. Ephesians chapter six, verse one and four goes on. It says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. Now remember the analogy. Jesus is the head. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. We're to sacrifice and love as families, struggle like families, protect like families, imitating the role that Jesus and his love has for his bride, the church. That's how we're to act. We're to pray together as families. We're to worship together as families. We're to serve together as families. We're to display and act in that manner of love that in our own mess, we might love messy people. That in our own sin, we might love sinful people. And in our own salvation, we might share his hope with hurting people. Membership means it's a gift to be a part of the family. Membership is a gift from God and healthy members of the church family find joy in being last instead of seeking their own way and being first. You see, being a part of the church, God's family is a gift. How do you respond when somebody gives you the gift? Hopefully with gratitude, prayerfully with gratitude. God, thank you for my church. Thank you for my family. I mean, I've said it before and I'll say it again. I mean, most of us take out our iPhones when we go to a great restaurant, we pull it out and we take a picture and we take another picture and then we turn it around, we change the camera and we take a selfie and then we change it back around and we take another picture and we post it on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter and we talk about how great the shrimp were there. And then we come to church and we don't do a blessed thing to take a picture and say, I love my church. Shame on us. This is, this is a gift from God. This is a place where hope is restored. This is a place where healing occurs. This is where you take a breath and say, I'm so glad I'm growing up in Christ. Almost 400 people again this week met in homes studying God's word. Okay, let me say that again. Almost 400 people met in homes this week studying God's word. I remember a few weeks ago, we, we were launching student ministries, doing community groups and homes. You know what a mess? It has been the biggest mess known to mankind. I mean, it's like herding cats. It's like nailing jello to a tree. I mean, you try to move that many high school and middle school kids into homes, all the while making y'all moms and dads happy. It cannot be done. I mean, I promise you, Andy Stanley, Louis Giglio, Charles Stanley, and John MacArthur all together can't do it. And yet 176 students and workers showed up in homes to study the word of God this past week. Could I just stop and say, what if, what if we just let the head be the head? And what if he's just enough? And what if we're just willing to follow him? Membership is a gift from God. Your fourth and final promise, I'll pray for my church family, my church leaders, and I'll share the gift of my church with those I come in contact with this week. 
You see the church, she's unstoppable. She's serving, she's loving, she's family, she's forgiving, she's welcoming, and she's you. So how do others know the church? If all they know is by you, how do they know the church? Imitate Jesus so others may imitate him as well. Why would I imitate Jesus? Why, why would I go and do likewise? You ready? Because holy is the Lord God Almighty. <laughs> because his love never fails. Because his love never gives up. Because it run, never runs out on me. Holy is the Lord God Almighty. That is why. Father, in the name of Jesus, today we lift high your name. I pray we'd see your church as a hope, as a beacon, as a place where we would fall in love with. We'd join and we'd be excited and we'd be thrilled with all that you've done and all that you're doing and all that you're yet to do in your church. God, I'm grateful that we've got people that are coming to know Christ week after week. I'm grateful we have people that are joining your fellowship week after week. I pray we'd rejoice because it is a gift from you. In the name of Jesus, we pray and all God's folks said, amen. Let's stand up and worship him.